0: Hello, hello, hello. Everybody take your seat. This is going to be a fabulous presentation. This is Chip Uh, Conley, JDV Hotels. Not anymore, but you're in one now. I met Shoshana at the first hotel he ever started. He's a fabulous guy. Here he goes. Now he's off doing traveling around the world and identifying the best festivals so you can know what to go to. Chip, rock and roll. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, guys. How are you? Yeah, it is true that I used to run Joie de Vivre hotels that that still runs this hotel, but if you did not get your room service on time this morning, don't talk to me. (laughs) I sold the company four years ago. But um, it's great to be here. Uh, It feels a little strange, partly because this is a very transactional conference, and very much of it's like, who's going to make a deal, and what are we going to go do? The next half hour... You take that transactional part of your brain and turn it off for a moment. And turn on the transformational part of your brain and turn it on. And she liked that. Yes, right on. Okay, so yeah, what I'm going to tell you about is how I turned a passion, uh, along with some of my cohorts here, Art and Eamon and David, into a business. Uh, And so there, yes, we'll talk about what is Fest 300. But mainly what I'm going to talk about today is why the hell are festivals blowing up like they have never had in in the history of mankind? Why is it that people want to be at festivals so much today? So I'll tell you my four reasons why I think it's happening. Um, And when I say festivals, when I say festivals, what festivals does it conjure up for you? Coachella, what's that? EDC, Bonnaroo, Bonnaroo, Tomorrowland... Uh, could, yeah, all of those. We will talk a little bit about those. But actually, I'm going to introduce you to baby jumping. Aha! Festivals come in all shapes and sizes. And in the la- last year, I went to 35 festivals in 20 countries, including a baby jumping festival I'll talk about in a moment. So not all festivals are edy. EDM festivals, although that is the genre of festivals that's blowing up faster than any other kind of festival today. But what I'm going to talk about is what I've learned going around the world for the last two years experiencing festivals of all kinds and what I think it means for us moving forward. So let's start with this one. So uh, for 400 years in this little village in northern Spain, 500 people in the village get together once a year. And they put out sixteen mattresses around town, and any of the kids in town that are one year old or younger get put on the on the mattress, and these two devil-looking characters jump over the mattress uh, and hopefully make it to the other side. This is a pagan meets Catholic festival, although the Catholics and the Vatican have disavowed it at this point. It goes on every year there. So this is the nature of festivals today. It's, again, going on for 400 years. But festivals come in all shapes and sizes. For me, I've, I have a long history of loving anything that has to do with joy. I called my company Joie de Vivre. means Joy of Life uh, in French. And part of the reason that I was fascinated with Joie de Vivre was because in the hotel business, you know, for the 25 years I was doing hotels, that's what, what we did. We tried to help people feel great. I had two patron saints... I'm going to talk about one of them a little bit later. That's a guy named Viktor Frankl on the left and Abraham Maslow on the right. They're not really patron saints. They're more like Jewish shrinks. They were, they were the guys that I learned from, literally not face-to-face, in terms of how to actually run, you know, run a, a business based upon joie de Vivre. So I was giving a speech two years ago in New York talking about this guy Viktor Frankl who wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And I was on stage, and there were 600 people in the audience And the talk was about emotional intelligence and meaning. At the end of the the talk, there was a woman in the back of the room, and the first thing she said when she stood up and and had her hand up is she said, I'm not a stalker. (laughs) At that point, I knew I was in trouble. Uh, And so she ended up asking me this question that had nothing to do with what I had just talked about in my speech. She said the following. She said, Chip, I know that you are on the board of Burning Man. Which is true. I am on the board of Burning Man. You didn't know there was a board of Burning Man, did you? <laughs> uh, yes, there's. in fact, for three and a half years I've been on the board. And she said, I also know that your favorite place in the world is Bali. Bali in Indonesia, you've been there a dozen times. And in fact, I've been there 11 times. So I said, she said to me, I know this is a strange question, but I, she said, I love Bali and Burning Man too. Why is it that we both love Bali and Burning Man? And so I sat there on stage in New York with 600 people in the audience who came to listen to about meaning and emotional intelligence, and I just started riffing. And I started, I started saying, well, let's see, Bali, it starts at birth, at very young in life. Bali is all about one village festival after the next. It's endless festivals from the time you're young until the time you're cremated when you're dead. You actually have a festival on your death. In fact, it's the, sort of the highlight of your life is your death, that cremation ceremony that you have at the end of life. So I said, Bali is just one endless festival. And the thing about Burning Man, having been there now nine times in the last 15 years, is Burning Man is a week-long festival. It's not an endless, endless festival, but it is a village festival as well. There is some kind of village festival that happens at Burning Man where people somehow lose their own sense of separation and ego. And in the process of their ego evaporating, this strange communal joy comes in its place. So I said, isn't it fascinating that we live in an era today where so many of us spend all of our time to connect with each other online, but really the the things that that we remember in our lives are experiences like this. And I said, wouldn't it be fascinating to go out and look at like what are the 300 best festivals in the world and go out and try them out, and then tell other people about them. And I said, I've tried actually looking for great festivals online, and there's not a great festival website. So I said, out of the blue, I want to be the world's leading expert on festivals. And half the audience of 600 people stood up and gave me a standing ovation. I said, wow, you're my focus group, so I'm going to do it. And so that's what I started to do. I started to look at what are the 300 festivals in the world that deserve to be considered the 300 best and you know I just said every year I'd like to have a, a list of the 300 best this website we've created is called Fest 300 uh, j- just yesterday we actually launched our uh, 2.0 version of, of the website um, and basically, it, it, it introduces you. It's a, it's a discovery site that allows you to actually find the world's best festivals. And there's a matchmaking part of the site where we actually give you a quiz. And we, with six questions, we understand your archetype. And there's 16 different festival archetypes. And basically, we recommend which 12 festivals are best suited for your archetype, based upon the, one of the 16. So... I started going around the world and looking at all of these interesting festivals. And I'm going to tell you about a, a few of them now. And then I'm going to tell you what are the four reasons why I think festivals have blown up in the 21st century. So first, last year, you think you've been to a festival with way too many people? You haven't been to Kumamela. <laughs> Anybody know this one? Yeah, my party friend last night. Well, yes, you know it very well. So Kumamela, imagine going to a festival with 100 million people. I thought Burning Man was busy with 60 to 70 thousand. Kumbh Mela every th- every 12 years. There's the Maha Kumbh Mela, which happened last year at the Ganges River, and I was there. Over 55 days, a hundred million people show up uh, at this festival, and it's an, basically it's, it's a Hindu festival, but it is a celebration of humanity, and it's fascinating. Similarly, I went to small festivals. This is that El Calche. In fact, there's in the upper right hand corner of that slide. There's me with my tiny little camera. Can you see me there? Yeah, I was there. Um, So that was 500 people at a festival and about 14 or 15 of us observers from outside the village. But what I learned from this festival, as weird as it is, people jumping over babies, is it's the rite of passage of the village. If you're, a, if you're a villager and you come back, and you this is near, this is near Burgos, Spain, but if you've gone off to Madrid and you're working in Madrid, you come back every year for this, and you compare notes with all of your friends because somehow at age, age nine months, you remember some big guy in a yellow suit who's a devil jumping over you. So it's the thing that actually somehow created a collective con, uh, connection in that village. Uh, this is, a, well, when you're in northern Spain, you got to do this running with the damn bulls. It's completely politically incorrect. And the SF is not San Francisco. It is San Fermin. men. Um, to, be, to be honest with you, it's just a big frat party. I mean, let's be honest. That's what this festival is about. But it has a lot of history. Uh, then there's festivals like this one. Anybody ever heard of Rumi, the philosopher and poet? Of course you have. The number one selling poet in America. And he died 750 years ago. Rumi, yes. This guy... Rumi, you didn't know it though, he was the first guy who was ever a whirling dervish. He actually started whirling 750 years ago. And in central Turkey, they have an annual Mevlana Whirling Dervish Festival uh, in the middle of December for seven days up to the date when, he, when Rumi died. Fascinating. And then there's this, Corto Riti. This is at 15,000 feet in the Andes. It's another pagan Catholic festival. Uh, that is all about the Snow Star Festival. It's during the um, spring equinox. or Yeah, spring equinox. No, summer, uh, summer solstice. Summer solstice, thank you. Um, and it's an amazing festival uh, up there at 15,000 feet in the air. Some festivals we're very aware of, you know, the Rio Carnival. For those of you who can't get to Rio, you could go to the mission this weekend because we have our San Francisco version of Carnival this weekend in the mission uh, with a big parade. Uh, and this one, I had never heard of this one, the Harbin Ice and Snow Festival. There's a tiny little town of 6 million people in, in uh, China where, where Manchuria and Siberia come together, and there are 15,000 ice carvers who carve 30,000 or 40,000 ice sculptures, some as tall as the, the Transamerica Pyramid, and it's a month-long festival, and similar to Burning Man where everything burns at the end, here, everything melts at the end, at the end of February. But what an amazing place. So I, listen, what a great job. Anybody want to sign up for my job? Yes, yes, okay, come, come, on, come with me. Yes. Um, so as I started to learn more about these festivals, what I got fascinated by is that we live in an era where we're completely connected to each other on the internet. We've got, in fact, in some ways, the internet has demystified travel, And the world, because you know what? You don't actually have to go see it. You can just see it on on Facebook. So what's fascinating to me, though, is that the more digital we get, the more ritual we need. And that's what I'm going to talk about. The more digital we get, the more ritual we need. And there's a guy 102 years ago named Emile Durkheim. He's a sociologist. He coined an expression, collective effervescence. Collective effervescence is what happens when your sense of self disappears a little bit, and what comes in its place is that village communal joy. And that is part of the reason why people love festivals. Uh, it's, you know, in the era we live in, we're all possessed by URLs, and what most of us want is an IRL, an in-real-life experience. And that's what we're going to... I'm going to tell you the four reasons why I think it has become the living museum, almost like a living museum of humanity today in the 21st century. These are all kinds of different festivals around the world. So four reasons why I think festivals have blown up in a huge way and why it's relevant to those of us who are interested in music is, number one, many people use festivals as a means of redefining their vacation. Actually, the word vacation is an awful word. Think about it. You vacate yourself. Um, In fact, many people vacate themselves in front of a TV, uh, watching football, and they do the same thing on their vacation. They vacate themselves with a little, you know, an umbrella in a colorful drink uh, on a beach lounger. But the fact is, more and more of us are seeing our vacation as more of an experience to actually discover something. And maybe discover, you know, Bali Spirits, a great festival in Indonesia, mostly music, but it's sort of holistically oriented. Dia de los Muertos, you know, learning more about your ancestors. I have to say, my experience at Kumamela, this is a picture I took with that tiny little camera uh, on the Ganges River. My experience was that, I don't use the word vacation anymore very much. I use the word holiday. And, and a lot of people, England, Australia, they use the word holiday. I don't know anybody, you know, if you're from a different country, do you use holiday or vacation? I like holiday for the following reason. The, the root of the word holiday is holy days. And holy days were what happened years and years, centuries ago. Holidays were the holy days where people put down their plow and they gave thanks to the gods. And it was that time when people actually somehow discovered something in the process. So the holiday, the holy days, were about discovery. Well, for me, at Kumbumelo with 100 million people and no internet access and, you know, no, my iPhone didn't work, the holiday I got was a holiday from modern technology. I had a holy day. I, my, the, the masters of our life today are, are these gadgets we have. And to actually not have a gadget work... And then be surrounded by a bunch of people I didn't know, who are very different from me, who are all there to you know, like go see their baba. You know, the 50,000, with 100 million people, you have 50,000 different gurus there. I got to know humanity again because I didn't have that, that gadget with me. So Holy Days, the idea that we actually use holiday as a means of not vacating ourselves, but vacating our gadgets and reconnecting with ourselves and others, that's part of the reason people love festivals. Secondly, festivals are blowing up because we're becoming more culturally curious, and thank God. We have 7 billion people on this planet today. 40 years from now, we're going to have 10 billion people. It's getting more crowded. The other across the border from us is maybe somebody that we don't trust because they're the other, and yet if we have that kind of perspective, we've created a very unsafe and unsane world. So whether you're, I went to the Fez World Sacred Music Festival in Morocco surrounded by people speaking Arabic and French and a very, very Arabic or Muslim festival. And I was an American at an Arabic festival at a Muslim festival, love that. I learned something from the other just like as a curious white boy, which is what they called me at Long Beach Poly High School, Snoop Dogg's High School. Yes. Anybody from LBC down here? No? Well, yes. Are you? Really? Okay, yeah. So I was the curious white boy in this inner city high school and they called me, you know, they called me curious white boy. So when I go to the Brooklyn Hip Hop Festival, I am a curious white boy and there's something to be learned. And I think that the second reason why festivals are blowing up is because there's this function that's happening in humanity that we realize we have to learn about the other. If we don't, we're in a lot of trouble. And for many of us, learning about the other doesn't have to be quite as, you know, as different as this. I mean, a white guy at the hip-hop festival, you know, I'm a little different. But you know, three weeks ago, I was with my Fest 300 team at the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. How many of you have been at Jazz Fest in New Orleans? Now, this is an amazing, it's a classic festival, and it's a festival that celebrates the diversity of New Orleans and the diversity of humanity. And I loved it. I loved the fact that, in essence, I can be culturally curious with all kinds of people from all over the planet. And that's, I think, more and more people are looking for festivals as a means to break out of their own little pack of people that they've gotten used to. And so that's, I think, a second reason why festivals are blowing up. The third reason it's blowing up is probably the biggest reason. People want to try to travel with their tribe. Now, I've got a few different examples here I'll use in a moment. Um, what, what does this mean? It means that, you know, we can connect with people online, and connecting with people online at a URL is not the same as being at an IRL experience. Talking on a website about Harley-Davidson users is not the same as going to Sturgis. And having that Mecca experience, the experience of hanging out with people who are just as passionate as you are. Wanderlust in the lower left-hand corner, very different experience than, than Sturgis. You got your yoga mat with you, and you're basically hanging out with a bunch of other yogis. And that's a fascinating experience. And doing that in person is totally different than being able to do it online. And if you're a geek and you want to, you know, you want you hang out with uh, kindred spirits you might go to comic con down in san diego the cooper's hill cheese roll have you ever heard about that or seen video of that watch it on youtube it's scary i was there last year i was gonna run it and then i got to the top and i saw oh my god this is like the most black diamond mogul i've ever seen and people are like Wait, i'm 53 years old i'm not doing this um so but that is adrenaline junkies from all over the world go and and run down that damn hill and then Las Nievas, thats an interesting one. That is the festival of the near-death experience in Spain, where a bunch of people who have basically almost died come together and talk about their experiences. Now, that's a bunch of tribes. And what we know is there's an EDM festival down in the Southland, that is a you know birds of a feather flocking together. I said flocking. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, Coachella is definitely a place where young millennials love to get fashionable and, and have a party. And I'm not saying you have to be a young, sexy millennial dressing fashionably to be there, um, but yes, there is a tribe. It is a tribe, and there's a sense of a tribal travel, and connecting with each other of a, in a common tribe is much different than doing it online. And that's another reason why festivals are blowing up in the, in the 21st century. Finally, the fourth reason I love this video is that festivals can give us the opportunity to experience the human spirit in its most aesthetic and transformational or spiritual kind of way. Certain kinds of festivals allow for that. This festival here, this actually the video from this festival is from a video uh, festival from a festival in Thailand, but I went to a festival similar to this. Uh, in Taiwan, called the Pingxi Sky Lantern Festival. At this festival in Taiwan, most of the young people, mostly thirty-five years old and younger, write their hopes and dreams on the sky lanterns, and they send them up in the air over the course of about four hours. You know, thousands at a time, about an hour away from Taipei. It is uh, you know Abe, Abe Maslow. I showed you a picture of him earlier. If you know Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, there are five levels at the top of self-actualization. Later in his life, before he died, he said that there's a sixth and a seventh level of the Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Most people don't know this. I have his diaries. There are 100 copies of his diaries, and I have one of them. And the, what he said was that in the sixth and seventh level of the Hierarchy of Needs, the sixth level is aesthetics, aesthetics and beauty, and the seventh level is transcendence. And in many ways, that's what this kind of festival is about. Or an EDM festival in Canada. Anybody ever been to Shambhala? So in Sh- many EDM festivals are sort of driven and intense. This is the opposite. This is soft and cuddly. This is a place where you go and you know sing Kumbaya and then listen to EDM music. And it's a very, very soft, nurturing. In many ways, it's a very spiritual experience. So to sum it up, I am fascinated by transformation. I was fascinated by it as a hotelier and as a CEO for 24, 25 years. But transformation doesn't just happen on an Ibiza dance floor like it does here. It can also happen at a mountain monastery or on a pilgrimage. There's all kinds of different experiences you can have to to have a, a transformation. I'm on the board of Burning Man, I said it earlier. I had an experience three, years ago, three and a half years ago at Burning Man where I had an investment banker friend of mine who basically saw the world and all of us as walking do- dollar signs. He came to Burning Man. I was shocked he came with me. He came with a group of us. And he came to Burning Man seeing the world as a transactional place. And then he experienced four days at Burning Man and he had a complete transformation. And he realized we were not all walking dollar signs. And his transformation was that the gift economy of Burning Man meant that you know he had no idea what your net worth was uh, back in a bank, but he knew what your net worth was right face to face in terms of the experience he was having with you. So he had a transformation there. And then I have a, 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 a couple that I went to college with who got married a long time ago, since I went to college a long time ago. And they had three babies, and they stopped having sex. I won't talk, that's that's not my workshop, I'm not going to talk about that next. But what I will say is, we sent them to the Tango, uh, the the, Buenos Aires Tango Festival. Why? Because when you go to a Tango Festival, you first learn intimacy. And intimacy starts with the eyes. And Tango is all about the eye contact and then the body contact happens next. And later that night, other kind of contact happened with them, and they were able to learn how to reconnect in a transformational way. So for me, I'm fascinated by festivals because festivals are just a magnifying glass on humanity. That's really what they are. Whether that's like donning a mask at a car- like Venice Carnival, or it's taking your mask off at burning man or it's throwing all kinds of colors at each other at Holi in india uh, the fact is we connect at festivals because it allows us to connect with each other on a level we could never connect with online there's a guy named e.m forster he's a, an author and the two words he said on his deathbed before he died were those he said only connect I believe that festivals exist today because of those two words. Those two words could sound like it's an an AT&T ad. (laughs) Only connect. But connecting in the 21st century is not just about doing it online. And yes, Fest 300 is an online site. But it's an online site that allows people to connect with each other, share their passion and expression and experience of a festival with each other, create their own profile uh, do the, the test that tells them which archetype they are. But ultimately, at the end of the day, they need to go to a festival to have that kind of Only Connect experience. So this is me. This is what I used to... I, 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 I got dressed... Up. I, had a, I had two hours today with the CEO of Marriott, which was a very interesting experience. Um, I won't talk about that right now. But I used to get dressed up in a suit, and I was the guy who was working Joie de Vivre. That was the name of my company. I was working Joie de Vivre. For 25 years, for the next 25 years, I plan to be living Joie de Vivre. <laughs> this is at a uh, volcanic ash uh, hot spring about 10 miles from Burning Man, uh, the Fly Hot Springs. If you, you know, It's an amazing place to go and take a dip when you're a little too dry at Burning Man. So I'm, I'm living Joie de Vivre. I'm loving Joie de Vivre. I'm loving the fact that at festivals, you experience Joie de Vivre of all kinds. So the thing I'm going to ask you, and I, I'm, I'm, this is the second time I've ever given this talk. Uh, I, gave it, I did a TEDx talk about three weeks ago about this. And I'm going to go, I'm, my plan is to go around the world to remind them why festivals are important. Uh, for the, you as a crowd, what I'm going to ask you to do, to do now is a really small leap. Not like a baby jumping leap, but it's a small leap. I want you to go to one festival this year. Uh-huh. Maybe I should add a zero to that. Maybe 10 festivals this year for this group. Why? Because um, I want you to reconnect with your idea of what it means to take a vacation and make it holy. Make it a holy time for discovery. Uh, I also want you to think about how do you get culturally curious? Because cultural curiosity doesn't just save the planet, it's going to save yourself. And I want you to find your tribe. Because your tribe may be the the, the group that you actually connect with online, but I promise you in person, it's a whole different experience. Collective effervescence does not happen online. And finally, I want you to lose yourself, find yourself, be yourself at a festival because that's why people love festivals. Because it not just reconnects them with the rest of the world, it reconnects them with themselves. So... That's all I have. But I just wanted to say thank you for... (sighs) Yeah, you know, it's... I mean, this is sort of a... It's the total right venue for me to give this talk, and it's sort of the wrong venue at the same time because it is not a transaction. Um, But the thing that's fascinating about music today and about EDM in particular, with EDM festivals, is the numbers bear this out. The the trajectory of how many people are going to festivals today, and how valuable festivals like Tomorrowland, now coming to Tomorrow World here, these festivals have become very valuable for lots of good reasons. So, with that, I think I'm supposed to let the next person up here. Is there there's a next person up here? Maybe that's him. No, he's, right here. he's right here. Perfect. So um, I'll just do one question. I'll have one question, and then I'll d- go outside. So anybody have a question? I might have an answer. Yes. Next festival I'm going to. Well, here's the. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you need to like have the microphone. And what's the, What's the next festival you're going to? So you know, here's my challenge in life today. I didn't say this earlier. Really. The reason I was just meeting with the CEO of Airbnb, Airbnb, of Marriott is I'm actually the head of global hospitality and strategy for Airbnb. So I went from the hotel side to the dark side. Um, <laughs> Not so dark from my perspective. I actually love revolutionary, rebellious, disruptive ideas, and Airbnb is absolutely that. So I'm in charge of all hospitality globally and all strategy for the company. Um, so what that means is I'm not going to as many festivals this year as I went last year. New Orleans was a few weeks ago. I have a few that I'm going to go to this summer. My, my team here would like me to go to Lightning in a Bottle this weekend. Um, so yes, yes, um, maybe they will convince me. Um, I'm going to let you come up because it's, I think it's time. Yes, so thank you. I'll be outside if anybody wants to ask a question out there and thank you very much.